Welcome to another of the 10-Minute Coots podcasts. Um, this is Gary Wolf, and today I am talking with fellow Locust reviewer and, and author of the best book on Greg Egan, uh, Karen Burnham. <laughs> well, I figured I'd say that. Right, I was about to say, best and only. <laughs> well, but it's, it's, it's still one of the more popular books in, in our series. It's a series of University of Illinois, and uh, I think I told you this before that uh, the prior editor working with me on the series was a little bit surprised at that, and we agreed that Greg Egan is one of those writers who really needs to be explained to many of his uh, readers, and your book does an excellent job of that. Thank you very much. Yeah, that that was a fun book to write. I, I won't lie. Well, we've been talking with everybody on, on these 10-minute things about reading during this, and I know you've been dealing with uh, a whole bunch of things besides reading. You've been dealing with having kids at home, having a new job, uh, having to read lots of short fiction. And my first question is, given all the stuff you have to read for Locus, I mean, basically all the online short fiction, right? Mm-hmm. How do you find any time to read something for yourself? <laughs> um, here and there. So oh. so I've, I've learned for, for my own leisure reading to just Anything that requires really sustained attention is not going to be my thing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I can find minutes here and there, a little bit on weekend mornings when the kids are sleeping in, a little bit before bedtime. Right. And, um, you know, I'll tell you one thing that I picked up that was just perfect for this, you know, again, these crazy times. Um, I think it was last month, uh, Russell Letson, again, fellow Locust reviewer, uh-huh. had written a review of the third book of Alistair Reynolds' Revenger series. Uh-huh. And I had, you know, I loved Alistair Reynolds when he first wrote, you know, sort of, um, it was Chasm City, right? Was one right. of, one of the first, and Redemption Arc. Yeah, I loved that whole era of his. And then I kind of, I hadn't picked up as much of his stuff in the last few years, but the way Russell described the Revenger series, I'm like, yeah, pirate adventures in space. That's exactly, That's exactly what, what I want yeah. right now. And so I, I went back and picked up the first book, Revenger, and I've been having a ton of fun with it. And again, it's not something you have to read, you know, all in one sitting. It's um, it's a little bit episodic the way, you know, the structure is for a, a good old fashioned adventure story like that. But it's right. it's fun and it's smart. And and yeah, it's it's just kind of hit the spot right now. I read the first couple of those and I had the same reaction exactly. It was like first discovering, uh, I don't know, pirates, the, the, you know, the, the, the sea wolf or uh, the Count of Monte Cristo wasn't a pirate story. But, but it, it has that sense of just one thing after another. And he al- you also have the sense, and I always like when I pick this up, that he must have had a lot of fun writing that. It really feels like it. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the the world building, I, I love that, that Reynolds' world building always hangs together really nicely. Yeah. He takes it really seriously. But but again, you know, if you really peel back this world building, you go, why is it like that? Well, it's like that because it's going to be fun. Yeah, right. Right. You know that. And and I appreciate that. So what else are you looking at? That's uh, that's a great recommendation. I should have thought of myself. But go ahead. <laughs> well, one of the books that I wanted to recommend, and I actually read this before the um, before the pandemic hit. Oh, that's fair. Um. Because it was it was something that required a little bit more sustained attention. But and it I don't even know if this is appropriate for a science fiction audience, but I, I really just want like it's if it's one book that I just want everyone to sit down and read. Mm-hmm. Um did you ever trip across Barry Lopez's Arctic Dreams? Yes, that's a back classic in the day? Now. Yeah, it's a classic. And then he recently wrote a book called Horizons. 
Ah, that I don't know. And it is brilliant. It's like a career retrospective. Obviously, he's much older now. What? He's getting possibly to the end of his productive career and he's looking back and it's this just amazingly thoughtful perspective over the places he's traveled and the people he's met and yet thoughtful is just the perfect word for it. It's, I really had to slow down to read it. Um, but it talks about, you know, how the climate's changing and it is environmental writing, but even more than that, it's about listening to people all over the world. That's kind of what I thought from uh, from Arctic Dreams, which I haven't thought about um, in, in a long time. But yeah, that was one of the pioneering books in this field, I guess. Right, and, right. And I remember at the time people were saying you can read this as a travel book, which it, it is, but it's also uh, obviously an environmental book. But environmental books weren't a big thing when that came out, so... He kind of sneaked in under the radar. I've, I've heard people talking about uh, Rachel Carson in the same way, uh, that, that her books about the sea, not, you know, not Silent Spring, which everybody knows, but the sea around us and uh, that sort of thing, were really uh, raising issues like this way before anybody else. And I suspect that Lopez belongs in that group. Yeah, and the way he mixes travelogue with natural history writing with ethnography yeah. and with memoir like it's it's all there and and i i never read anything quite like it and i i grew up reading um you know es, science essayists like lewis thomas oh yeah who i also loved and and actually kind of taught me how to love the essay it's an art form back when i was you know in my formative years as it were that was um, lives of a cell wasn't it yeah one of them and um I think he may have also written The Unseen World or something like that. I think so, yeah. I think the first big bestseller was Lives of a Cell because that's the one I wrote. And then there were a couple of books after that, and I don't remember the titles, but that right. sounds right. But yeah, but, I, you know, I'd never read anything quite like that, and especially not at sustained book length the way that mm -hmm. Lopez has just done. And yeah. I, I actually went back and read Arctic Dreams for the first time, but earlier in 2019 – so that I'd kind of have the right grounding to read Horizons. Mm -hmm. And I'm really glad I read them close together because, again, it's it's almost bookending. You know, he wrote one relatively early in his right. career as a man in his 30s doing this kind of thing. And then now, you know, obviously he's more into his you know late 60s, early 70s and uh, and looking back on on all that travel. And, man, that was just amazing. That's yeah. And that, and that kind of thing is, uh, is, is something I, I found a lot of people sort of drawn to in, in this period is, is, is nonfiction, maybe because nonfiction gives you a grounding in a more normal world than the one we're living in. Right. Well, and I'll also tell you that um, a lot of my relaxation reading was nonfiction just because I don't have to read it critically because I'm not yeah. going to review it. <laughs> so that's that's where I can, you know, kind of let my brain go for, for a while when I'm reading. Well, do you have a comfort food uh, that, that you go to uh, that uh, apart from what you've actually been reading now, what would you want to read just to sort of de-stress? Oh, now that's a good question. Well, okay, so so especially, so, you know, obviously our family's been very lucky, we've been been healthy, but I'll tell you, any time that I've got a head cold or, you know, just feeling run down or anything like mm -hmm. that, I'll tell you, there are two people I fall back on over and over and over, and it is Terry Pratchett and any mm -hmm. Discworld novel, and it's Gail Carriger. Oh, and, and those paranormal um, werewolf romance, yeah. parasol protectorate novels. Man, they're smart and they're funny, and I just love them to bits. So you like things that have a sense of humor? 
Yeah, a but, sense of humor, but but still smart, right? Well, a smart. Well, here's the thing, uh, and I, I think I read one of the Gail Carriger things, and there's there's a dark edge to them. There is. <laughs> and there's a dark edge to Terry Pratchett. I remember when Terry's when the obituaries were coming out, uh, that Neil Gaiman and a couple of other people who knew him well said he's not the cheerful grandfather right. Santa Claus you're making him out to be. <laughs> yes. These are pretty. If you look at the philosophy behind these books, the view of humanity is fairly bleak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a uh, and well and and the Carriger the first um Carriger's debut novel, the one that hooked me was Soulless. Mhm. It was literally, you know, again there's a dark edge to a plot where everyone has a manifest soul and then your heroine doesn't. Uh-huh. You know, like that's, you know, that that's not trivial to to mess around with. It's true. Do you have a favorite Discworld novel? Small Gods. Okay. Yeah, hands down. <laughs> I mean, so many are good, but that one was just on beyond brilliant. It'll be really interesting to see if they're if that those things can translate in any form to um, to movies or TV series. Um, and I don't know. I mean, obviously, Good Omens worked well with Neil putting a lot of effort into it. But I was doing something. This is I'm, I'm taking up time. I should be listening to you. I know. But I've, I've been reading Jeeves. I've been reading reading P.G. Woodhouse. Oh, and cool. by coincidence, which is very funny and, and very contemporary outside of the fact you're dealing with a 1920s style English twit. Mm-hmm. And we discovered this, the TV series with Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry. Oh, yeah. Which happened to be um, it's on YouTube, happened to be the exact same episodes that we were reading from the book Jeeves. Uh, so we could you could compare on the same day, and, what, and and the TV series is very good and very funny, but it doesn't have the Woodhouse voice, and it can't. It doesn't have an area. Right, right. And I wonder the same thing about Pratchett if that same problem would occur. Well, the thing I'm wondering is how to introduce Pratchett to my kids. Oh, so, um, you know, I'm I just picked up the uh, let's see, Maurice and his educated, the amazing Maurice and his educated rodents. Uh-huh. And I'm starting to read it myself, and I'm like, ah, you know, I just don't think they're old enough yet. Um, but I'm wondering, because the one thing that my kids are super into, which surprised the heck out of me, um, but there's this online comic, and it's been going for so long that it's got a, lot, a bunch of printed collections, and it's called The Order of the Stick. Huh. And on the one hand, it's, you know, it's a car- total, it's a car- like a not great art cartoon based in a D&D world. and uh-huh. And but it's become over the years since it started publishing, it's become a much deeper story than that. And uh, and, you know, it's really obviously influenced by Terry Pratchett and other, you know, comic fantasists. What's the Um, title again? Order of the Stick. Never heard of it. Oh, man, it's so good. And and like I say, it's really long running and uh, the characters are really well established. and, And there's this overarching plot that should actually wrap up, honestly, in the next Oh, I don't know, three to five years. <laughs> um, but my kids have actually really been enjoying that. And, I'm, um, you know, I read it to them. And then my oldest, who's almost nine, is, has started to read it himself, um, you know, which is which is great because it's I mean, it's really PG-13. It's not yeah. meant for kids, but it's accessible to kids. I don't worry about them reading it. But I'm like. How do I kind of introduce the idea that this Terry Pratchett guy is one of the guys that, that you know, this comic that you love is based yeah. on? Yeah, I understand that entirely. I mean, <laughs> it, it's unpredictable. I mean, 
I remember when my grandkids were about a, a little bit younger, I guess, than maybe seven or seven or so. That for some reason I, I got a I got an arc of the wolf of, of Neil Gaiman's The Wolves and the Walls, which I read to them simply because they were here staying over and I, I'd gotten it in the mail. They fell in love with it, and I think one of the things they fell in love with was lines that they could repeat or lines when they mm. would come up uh, when it would come up in the story. The kids would read along with it. And there's a line that recurs in that. I don't know if you've seen the book or not. It's uh, Dave McKean, great illustrations. And a recurring line, when the wolves come out of the walls, it's all over. And right. They loved that. They they would the minute we would start reading the book, they would wait for that page. Mm-hmm. So, well, uh, the other question we always ask people are, which may may not be fair since you're a reviewer <laughs> rather than a novelist, but uh, what what are you working on that we should be looking out for and i know we should be looking out for your column in locus right so obviously keeping up with the monthly locus column is like my highest priority right, right. now for any kind of reading i'm doing um so I'm, I'm keeping that going um and then one thing that people may not know about is that i also write a column for the quarterly magazine um cascadia subduction zone uh-huh and in that column which is edited by nisi shawl um I pick just a handful of stories, like three or four stories that all share something in common. Uh-huh. And I really get to uh, get to dive in in depth into some, you know, element of, of the stories. Oh, they're great. Yeah. So it's a really different style of reviewing than Locus. You know, in Locus, I'm trying to cover a, a you know, breadth. Right. Right. Um, in, in CSZ, I pick a handful of stories and then I get to go into depth instead, which I really enjoy. Um I'm I'm a little bit on hiatus with them just because of of the crisis. I think yeah. they're kind of on hiatus too, but uh, you can find their back issues online. I I forget the exact website because I always have to Google it. But it's uh, but yeah, if you look for Cascadia Subduction Zone Journal, uh, oh. it it's you know it they include poetry and a little bit of short fiction and then a, just a lot of really good feminist criticism. Okay. Well, again, this has been a Short Could Street Podcast. Our guest today has been Karen Burnham. Uh, join us for the next one. And thank you, Karen. Thank you very much. Glad to be here.